This is episode 32 of Ships with Devin Shackett. Welcome to Ships. My name is Pat McAndrew, and I am a professional actor, speaker, and coach. In every episode, we discuss a message related to the most important vessels in our lives. Thanks for being here today. Now let's set sail. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Ships Podcast. Our guest joining us is Devin Shackett, who is an actress, casting professional, audition coach, and on-camera acting teacher. Devin began coaching and taping auditions in early 2013 while working in the House of Cards Season 2 casting department. Her casting credits include the second season of House of Cards alongside Emmy Award-winning casting director Julie Schubert. Feature films including Good Funk, Black Nativity, Three Backyards, and theater projects at the San Francisco Playhouse. Her students have appeared on television shows such as The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Iron Fist, Happy, Gotham, New Amsterdam, Switched at Birth, Tyrant, Rami, The Deuce, Jack Ryan, Sneaky Pete, Quantico, Inferno Verde, Jessica Jones, Blue Bloods, Sweet Bitter, The Looming Tower, FBI, Dickinson, The Blacklist, The Godfather of Harlem, and more. That's a lot of shows. In addition to private coaching and audition taping, Devin teaches on-camera acting and audition technique to adults and young actors internationally. She has been a guest lecturer at NYU Stone Street School for Film and Television, San Francisco Playhouse, San Francisco State University, Palm Beach Atlantic University, Berlin Film School, and several private studios in New York City. She is the founder and artistic director of the New York Drama Center. You are all in for an amazing episode with Devin today. We talk a lot about her experience, not only in the casting industry, but also acting and also her experience as a coach and a teacher. She talks to us about the importance of asking really good questions, as well as the importance of simply asking why into figuring out what a student needs and what an individual needs when you're listening and talking. To them. She also talks about the importance of being on the thought, why it's important for an actor to be on the thought. I won't spoil it too much. You'll have to tune in to figure out what I'm talking about. She also mentions the importance of being very specific with what you want and why this is so important, not only for an actor in the entertainment industry, but also for people in general. So you are in for a great episode. I really think you're going to enjoy this one. Please share it with your friends and family if you think it will really resonate with them. So without further ado, let me introduce Devin Shackett.
Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Ships Podcast. Today, we have Devin Shackett joining us. Thank you so much for being with us today, Devin. Hi, Pat. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to dive into this conversation with you. You have such a unique experience within the acting industry, within really the entertainment industry, and I'm very excited to dive in and hear all about your experiences, what you've learned along the way, and how your insights could help not only actors, but also non-actors at the same time. So very excited to have this conversation with you and to have you on the show. Thanks. I will answer as much as I can. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm wondering if you could just start off by telling our audience a little bit about yourself and perhaps what led you onto the path that you're pursuing today. Sure. Um, Gosh, I feel like it's a little bit of a it's a windy road for me. Um, I started out when I was 19. I applied to a bunch of internships when I was at NYU uh, and I was looking for a summer internship. And I ended up working in casting. And it wasn't even like I was aiming to work in casting. It's just what I ended up doing that summer. And I got to work on a short film, or not a short film, it was an independent film with a casting director named Kevin Cuffa. And he's so great. And I spent the summer watching auditions and some really, really great actors were coming in to audition. I think Denai Guerrero was cast in the film that we were working on. Uh, It's like phenomenal actors. And I watched all these auditions and I kept trying to figure out why is somebody good? Why did he get a call back and he didn't? Or, you know, how was his performance better? And then another guy's you know, just kind of seemed to fall flat or didn't make an impact on us on, on the team. And when you're in casting, you, you know, the, the people I was around, the casting directors, uh, the director of the film will say things like, oh, they were really interesting or they made a, oh, they, they made a choice I never would have thought of. So let's bring them back. So it's sort of a vague language that you're using when you're working with a final product. And I was more interested in what's underneath that vague language. And I didn't know necessarily that that's what I was interested in, but I kind of just kept asking why. And, you know, I found that the young man that I liked the best for the lead role of the, of this indie, I just looked at his resume and I went, okay, well, he studied at Juilliard. All right. Well, I'm going to go see some shows at Juilliard and see if they're all as good as this guy. (laughs) And, you know, which was sort of like a really simple logic. I was like, well, I like him. Where did he learn how to do that? So I saw some shows there. And at that point, I had never taken an acting class. And I was going into my junior year of college. I had always wanted to study acting. I was sort of fascinated by it, but danced around being interested in it. And I went to the theater all the time and started to just observe, well, who do I like and why? And so I started seeing all these shows at Juilliard and then I started studying acting. And then, you know, I, you know, the years went by, I graduated from college. I kind of left casting, but I, I always thought about it like, oh, I think that's something I could do. And I went to graduate school straight out of undergrad for dramatic literature. So I got a master's in dramatic lit, which was very, you know, 
very much about looking at scripts and how are things structured. And I took a lot of playwriting classes. So I was interested in structure and I also studied writing. I studied journalism in undergrad. So after that, I graduated, I'm 24. I come back to New York City because I got my master's in San Francisco. And I said, well, what am I gonna do? I need a job. And I thought, well, I know how to do casting. So I pursued, you know, getting a casting job. So I ended up actually back with Kevin. Kevin Kuffa hired me for a, a short job. And then uh, Beth Bowling and Kim Misha at Bowling Misha, they're fantastic. They hired me to work on some pilots. And when that job wrapped, because casting is all freelance, so just like an actor, you're project by project and you have to keep getting hired. So I wrapped with Beth and Kim and they said, you should really meet this woman named Julie Schubert. And I said, okay. So I met Julie uh, for coffee and I didn't even know that she had a job to offer me. I just thought she would be interesting to meet. Beth and Kim said that I should meet her. And so I immediately loved her. We had a lot in common and we're talking and she said, you know, I'm working on this, this television series for Netflix. It's called House of Cards and I'm going to need an assistant. We start on season two in, in a few months. Do you want to work with me for a year on House of Cards? Wow. <laughs> I said, um, yeah, sure. You know, House of Cards hadn't come out yet. So I, I remember saying to her, I think I saw a poster for that. Is Kevin Spacey in that show? <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, and she was like, yeah, and she told me a little bit about it. And I left and I called my mom and I said, okay, I think I got a pretty cool job. I'm not sure because it was a really casual coffee meeting, but I think that she just hired me. <laughs> so, you know, a few months later we started, we, we started on House of Cards and I spent a year working with Julie on House of Cards season two. And at that point it was just me and her in the office. And then there was a team out in LA that we communicated with a lot. And then Julie was overseeing the team in Baltimore. So I spent a year working with actors, like really one week out of every month, Julie would have to go to Baltimore. And so I would run the New York office and would do all the auditions and upload all the tapes. And there were so many people and emails and phone calls. And sometimes Julie would say to me, just upload, you know, the 10 actors that you liked the most from the session today. And so I had to start making those judgment calls and had to really start developing my taste which I think was the answer to the question that I was asking years earlier of, of how do you know who's the, you know, quote unquote best for the job. It is so much to do with just personal aesthetic and with taste and, you know, with knowing the tone of your show, knowing your, the goal for your end product, the world that you're trying to create. So suddenly I was getting answers to a lot of questions I had asked when I was 19, when I was first started with this internship. So that was, that's, you know, the first half of how I got to where I am. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's amazing. Just kind of how like one thing leads to the next. And would you say, I mean, I know through taking the acting class with you that a lot of your casting work definitely informs the, the coaching that you do. But say, so you were in the casting world, obviously learning a lot, I imagine, about actors and what act like. And I guess that 
brings me to my next question is with regards to personal taste, is that really all that it is with regards to when an actor goes in and they audition for say a, a show like house of cards or say uh, independent film, short film, whatever it may be. What other elements are there besides that personal taste of the casting director of the director or whoever may be in the room? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, there's so many factors and part of me is hesitant to even answer this question because I, anybody who answers a question like this is just giving their opinion. So I think that sometimes in this field in this, of entertainment, and if you're a coach or if you work in casting or if you're an agent, um, you, there's a lot of actors who are looking for answers and all you can ever hope to get is somebody's opinion you can't really get an answer. So my opinion on this is that when actors come in to audition for a project, you're looking for somebody who can take an, take an adjustment. That's a huge thing. You're also looking for someone who's prepared, which really just means that they've made some choices about the material, that they understand the material, that they come in and kind of own the space, which again, that's not a great way to put it, but that they come into a space and rather than having this kind of unspoken, please see my talent, they kind of show up and go, here's my take on the material. Right. It's a hard thing to talk about, actually. I didn't realize that. It's such a subjective experience, both for the actor and as I can only imagine for the casting directors as well, with acting, with theater, film, television, it's such like a human condition. We're dealing with like the human condition and all humans, we interact with one another, but we interact differently. We all have different personalities. We all have different experiences. So it's an interesting thing when we like take in, take it into the context of acting, of directing, of writing of really like putting life on stage in some way, whether it be on like the physical stage or whether on the screen. Yeah. And so yeah, I could absolutely understand how this could be like a hard sort of question to figure out because depending on who the director is, depending on who the casting director is, it's going to be completely different. And so, yeah, I actually, I actually like that, that you say that because it, it's absolutely true. I think the word confidence gets thrown around a lot. Like, you know, come into a room and be confident. We're looking for confident actors. And that's a part of it. But I even feel that gets sort of misunderstood sometimes. Because I'm not looking for an actor who comes in and shows me they're confident. I'm looking for an actor who comes in and shows me that I can put them on set, that they know how to take apart a script and make choices and take adjustments. So, you know, I think there's a lot of discussion about how do you walk in the room and how do you say hello and how do you exit the room? And that's more of an outside in approach, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, and this may be applicable to more than just actors, there's a sense of inner confidence that I think you have to have with any job that I have as a teacher or as a, a coach. It's like you, you really have to know, you have to have confidence in your craft, not just 
confidence in in the room. Like you, it's not something that you can put on necessarily. It comes through when you actually have a connection to the to the work that you do. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I, to echo what you said, I feel like that really is the case with any industry is that people want to work with people who know what they're doing <laughs> or, you know, or who are at least yeah. able to dive into new terrain uh, without fear or perhaps with fear, but having the ability to overcome that fear. So yeah, I, th I think that makes a, a lot of sense. So you're, you know, you're working in the casting world. You were kind of talking about how that was like your first phase throughout your career. So how did you enter into this second phase? I, I assume, would it be through acting or maybe it was right to coaching and teaching? I'm wondering if you could explain how you then made the transition from casting. Sure. Um, yeah. So it's funny because it's, it, all happened the same way as the casting happened. I just kept asking why and then following kind of the thread that would appear. Um, and not in an unintentional way, but in a very like, I kind of had a sense of what I wanted to do next. Um, basically I finished up on House of Cards and I said to Julie, I'm not sure I can do this for another year. And she was, so awesome about it. She was like, I would love to have you back, but I want you to know that it's important for you to follow your bliss and I'll still be your friend, but I support whatever you want to do next. I was just kind of burned out. Casting is a really, really difficult profession. And I don't think that they receive enough credit. I don't think anyone knows what casting does or how hard they work. It's a nonstop job and you have to really love it. And I loved working with actors and I loved putting together ensembles, but there was a lot of elements of the job that I didn't love. And so I finished that year and said, okay, well, what about this year did I like? And I thought back on the times when I was running session by myself and I would often have a line of actors outside waiting because I would take 20 <laughs> minutes with, with each actor in the cast. <laughs> you can't do, um, you know, when you're working in casting and you're the casting director, you really can give a couple of adjustments, but whatever comes into the room is kind of what you get. You can, you know, sometimes you can pull a little bit out or you can kind of shift it one way or another, but you're not there to help somebody you're not there to pull a performance out of anyone. And I found that's what I was interested in. And I had also started teaching while I was casting. I was putting a lot of my friends on tape and I was also teaching a lot of kids acting classes, which I really loved. Um, so I kind of went, all right, I think I like the teaching element more than the casting element. Um, I also, when I was in casting on House of Cards, we had a lot of parts that we that uh, we had to kind of look into communities of non-actors or be really uh, sort of creative about how we found certain actors. There was a couple of Native American characters in season two of House of Cards and the whole team, uh, you know, really wanted to reach out into the Native American community and offer those opportunities to Native American actors rather than just going, you know, we'll do the regular route of Gersh ICM and just pull from that pool, we kind of said, you know what, I think it's our 
obligation to reach out into the community and find actors, find new faces and new talent. Um, and, you know, the conversation of representation has been really big for a few years in the entertainment industry. So I got really good at reaching out into communities that were, you know, lesser known and finding actors. So I kind of became known in a small circle in the casting of casting directors as somebody who's really good at doing research. So, you know, just funny enough, I left casting full time and then took on a bunch of research jobs and I got to do a really fun job looking for an Elvis impersonator, a young Elvis, and then I got to do a great job looking for um, drag queens and um, Italian actors. So that was just something that kind of happened that was fun for me and kept me sort of in casting. And I was teaching and coaching. And then I was also training as an actor. I guess that's a big part that I left out. I finished with Julie and I had been studying clown. I'd been studying a lot of clown with a guy named Christopher Bays, who's an amazing clown teacher. He's at the Yale School of Drama and Juilliard. And I had done a bunch of his courses. And so I finished with Julie and I was like, okay, I want to study acting. And maybe I want to get my MFA because that's the big thing that everyone does. So I enrolled with Terry Knickerbocker at the William Esper studio. Um, Terry now has his own studio, but he was at the Esper studio when I started with him. And I, I did the two year Meisner training um, and really learned a lot about acting. And then while I was doing that, I was I studied with Patsy Rodenberg and I was still studying with Chris and I studied with I studied with so many acting teachers. Um, so I I was starting to get a sense of this acting thing from an experiential point of view. Yeah. And so after I finished with the casting job and I, you know, I was not all over the place, but I was doing a bunch of things. I was like, okay, I'm doing this research thing and I'm, I'm coaching a little bit and I'm teaching a little bit and I'm training as an actor. And when that all finished, I had one question. So I, my, and my question was, I've done this acting training and I don't feel like I can do the thing that I love watching when I, you know, there's a certain kind of actor that I love. Like I love to watch Nina Arianda or Denai Gurira. Um, there's a lot of actors I can think of, but actors who kind of go beyond themselves, they, who you're watching them and it's so clear they don't know where they're going next. Like huh. they do within the framework of the story, but we don't actually know what they're going to experience next. And Jan Maxwell was my absolute favorite actress to watch on stage. Um, and she was very much that way. So I kind of asked around a little bit and I was kind of searching for, well, you know, who's out there who can teach me how to do that? And the name that came up a few times was Jim Calder. And so I thought, okay, he's a professor at NYU graduate acting, which made sense. I love the grad act, the grad actors. I tend to really, you know, connect with the aesthetic that they bring. So I emailed him and I said, hi, I, you don't know me, but I know a bunch of your former students and I'm really interested in working with you. So if you don't teach outside of NYU, maybe I could put together a class for you. And he wrote me back and said, I'm intrigued by your proposal. Why don't we meet for lunch? 
So I meet this guy named Jim Calder for lunch and we talk about acting for like an hour and a half. And he says, I hate teaching workshops because everybody comes and they want to learn something. They want to check off a box that they've learned something. And I can't really teach you anything in a week. (laughs) And I convinced him to, which is true in a sense. But I I remember saying, I don't have another option and I really want to study with you. So why don't we try it? So we did this week long workshop. And it was incredible. And after that, he said, well, that was fun. I would do it again if there's anybody who wants to do it again. So I emailed all the actors that I knew. And I said, you know, I got Jim Calder teaching some classes. Let me know if you're interested. And at that same time, I was working with Olympia Dukakis. And I said, Olympia, do you want to, can I put together a class for you? And um, my voice teacher, who's an incredibly special woman, her name is Tessa Lang. She's Laura Benanti's voice teacher and she wasn't teaching class and I said you know Tessa are you interested in teaching class so I put together some classes for for her and I kind of turned around and said whoa I've got like a a faculty I guess I'm running a school now so (laughs) wow that's amazing yeah it just sort of the timing was really right and people were interested I didn't push it it just I, I started getting emails saying, oh, my friend told me to email you. They said, you know, I I wanted to go to grad school and I didn't get in, or I'm interested in grad school, but I don't want to commit three years. And it looks like you're, you know, collecting these teachers who are at the top of acting teaching. And so I called it the New York Drama Center. I made a website. I started an email list and I've been running that for three years. So that's been a really special kind of passion project of bringing master acting teachers to the acting community. And I've had non-actors also take class, which I think is really, really interesting. Um, So that's a piece of my journey. And then through that, I, you know, not even intentionally, but I got to take a lot of class and Jim and Olympia started mentoring me as a teacher. And so Olympia brought me on to teach with her at NYU Tisch in the undergrad department. And Jim hired me to teach um, with him in Florence. He runs the Comedia dell'arte program for Tisch in Florence, Italy. So I ended up teaching a lot. And then I was friendly with some agents who were sending me their clients. So then I was like, okay, I guess I'm also teaching you know, this is sort of just where I've ended up and I love it. So that's in a nutshell, which that's not even a short story. That's a long story of how I got to where I'm at. (laughs) Well, it it really is amazing just how in a lot of ways, the puzzle pieces kind of slowly came together over time to create the New York Drama Center, which you're now the artistic director and, and founder of. And it's and it really is this this reputable school with reputable teachers. And it's been amazing even just talking to you to see how it's grown over time. And through taking the class with you, the acting class, what, what I really appreciated about it was that you could definitely tell that you care about actors and that you use your past experiences and your insights into informing the actor to best prepare them for auditions. And so I'm curious if you could talk to us about how your experience, either whether it be in casting through 
working with other teachers through the actor training that you've taken yourself. How does that work inform your teaching when you work with actors? How does it? It's interesting. I don't consciously think about it, but I feel like I have kind of three pieces that fit together and whatever piece I need kind of shows up in the moment. Uh, I have the industry experience of working in casting and working with actors and, you know, knowing what it's like to be in the room on the side of casting. And I've also acted and gone through actually quite a lot of actor training and I've been in some plays. So I understand the professional side of acting um, on a very small scale. And then I also have been mentored by these great teachers. So Sometimes I'll draw from my own experience. Sometimes, you know, I'll think about being in the room with Julie and something that she said. Sometimes I'll think about, you know, something that Jim or Olympia has said, or sometimes it just is from me, I I guess. So yeah, it's interesting. It's like, there's all these layers and it's similar to what I tell actors about preparing for an audition where we'll work on something a bunch of different ways. And I'll say, okay, remember when you were a kid and there were those things that were, it was like a black sheet of paper, but you could scratch it and there would be a rainbow underneath. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, that's kind of what you're doing as an actor. Like you you never know what's gonna show up, but you know that something that you put there is gonna show up. So I guess I've never thought about it, before in this way, but that's kind of how I teach. It's like, all right, I don't know what's going to show up, but something that I put there is going to show up. Yeah. It's almost like this confidence that you were talking about earlier in your teaching where you go in and you see what happens, but you're confident enough that you'll be able to pull from what you've learned and from your past experience to create a really impactful and effective class for the actors who are participating. There's also the element of just, I've gotten fairly comfortable as a teacher, just sometimes saying, I don't know. You know, I, I like to check in with myself in that way. It's really freeing. I also, I don't like the construct of being the teacher. I always tell people, and I really believe this, I don't know more than you. I've just seen more than you. And so I've developed a certain way of seeing. And I really learned that from Jim Calder. He's He approaches everything like a scientist. And we'll just kind of formulate theories and then test them out. So it's a it makes it more fun for me to teach that way. I don't like coming to the classroom and giving you certain knowledge that I have. That's not the point, I don't think. Well, yeah, and I think that really shows the experience and maturity of a teacher too, to be able to, because it takes a lot of courage and bravery to be able to say in your position, teaching a classroom full of actors who are you know, learning from this expert in a lot of ways, it takes a lot of bravery to be able to say, I don't know. And I think that comes from a place of of security and, and confidence and a, a specific approach where at the end of the day, we are all just testing things out. And like you said, working as scientists and working out different theories and methods to see what works, because everyone is going to have their own method, their own theory, and something that works for one person isn't going to work for someone else. So it's really amazing. And I think really impactful 
for teachers like yourself to take that approach, to be able to have that courage to say, oh, well, I don't necessarily know the answer to this question, but this is my experience. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. All you can ever offer is your experience. And I also think, you know, for actors and non-actors, we're, I, I get so many actors in class who will do some work and then say, well, I, it was better the last time or that wasn't very good. And it's like, well, I always ask why, you know, good and bad are such, they're like, they're like dead ends to say that something was good or something was bad. Yeah. I mean, just those words don't actually mean very much and they kind of mean the same thing in a way. It's just the end. So I'm always interested in asking, well, why? Why is that good? Why is that bad? And then you usually arrive at a really interesting answer. And I don't often have the answer. Usually the person who I'm asking actually has the answer. I just have to ask them why. And I learned that from Olympia. She will just keep asking somebody questions. She rarely will tell somebody what's going on. And certainly she rarely tells somebody what's going on with them. She just asks questions. Yeah. Yeah, it really is amazing because asking those questions is really what allows, whether it be actors or, or even just in life in general, it allows us to dissect ourselves deeper than just receiving some sort of answer. And we talked a little bit about this earlier. I'm wondering if you'd be interested in elaborating more, but when actors go into an audition room, you said that, you know, a lot of it oftentimes is dependent on the personality of not only the actor, but also of the casting director, of the director. That specific taste, I think, was the word that you used. But what do you think that most actors get wrong when they go in for an audition and how can they improve upon that? Is there a specific answer to that question or... Is it because since everyone is so different, everyone has their own specific taste that I, I guess my question is, can actors do anything wrong in the audition room? Yeah. Okay. Let me think about how to answer this. Let's take away the word wrong. But I do think that actors, there are some missteps that I used to see quite often. And I still see them when I'm coaching and like first pass when I work on something with someone. I'll, I'll see something similar. So a lot of actors, it's a, it's actually a, it's a, it's a text issue. Um, they'll read the text and then decide on a kind of character and will memorize the words and they come in and maybe they get very emotional or very heated and then they say the words but there's a disconnect between the words and the emotionality and the physicality that's in the room so actually the most compelling auditions that i've ever seen are when the actor is on the thought that they're saying and what i mean by that is they're having the thought as they say it they're not having the thought before or after or independent of their emotional experience. So that's a difficult thing to 
talk about without showing you. But if you watch Hugh Laurie's audition for House, it's on YouTube, you'll see how he's on the thought that he's having when he's having it. And a lot of actors are not super skilled in that way, or they may be skilled in that way if they've studied Shakespeare or, you know, George Bernard Shaw, but they don't bring it to television because they think in television they're supposed to do nothing or they're supposed to kind of do a mumblecore thing or speed through it in some way. And in a sense, that's all true. I mean, television tends to move at a quicker pace than any other acting, you know, I would say in a general way, I would say that. So, you know, it's, there's, there's craft based things that some actors are missing. Um, also there are actors who come into the room and who just, they have a lot of phenomenal theater training, but they don't know how to work in front of a camera and they are kind of just winging it. And, you know, my advice is always learn how to work on camera because you're the skill set that you have when you study theater is all applicable to on camera, but you, you also need to know how to work in a two dimensional medium. That's a medium of illusion you know, and you're not in a big room and you don't have to project all the way to the back wall, you know, when there's 29 rows, you, you have to pretend that you're in a taxi cab and that you're whispering to the person next to you. So there's things like that. Um, I'm trying to think anything else, you know, I would say overall, and maybe this is true of everything in life. I think I've seen a lot of actors who come into the room who kind of want me to meet them halfway. And what I mean by that is like, they've done as much as they know how to do and they kind of come in and we'll do, do the scene. And you can tell that they're hoping casting sees their talent. Interesting. Yeah. And you know, I've never heard the word talent mentioned in a casting room. So this idea of talent, again, is sort of a word like good or bad. Like, what is talent? Yeah. So nobody's going to meet you halfway or see your talent and spend, you know, a year pulling it out of you when you're in a casting session. I've, you know, and I've seen phenomenal actors come into a casting and, whoever casting director I'm working with will be like, Oh, they're really good. They're, they're too green. They're going to be great, but it's not casting's job to work on that with you. You kind of have to work on that on your, on your own by yourself and know what you need or say to your agent or your friend or your, somebody you trust, where do you think I'm at? What piece do you think I'm missing? Do I not know how to take notes? Am I, do I need text work? Am I not physically, you know, alive enough? What piece am I missing? Yeah, it's, it's really, it's fascinating when you take the time to, because acting is such a, a, a personal, a human pursuit that I think it does pay dividends a lot when you reach out to someone that you trust and you're like, hey, what do you think of this? Or, or where are some areas that you believe that I can improve? Whether it be your agent or whether it be a coach, a teacher, 
a friend who may perhaps work in the industry as well. I, I think doing that sort of thing uh, could really work wonders. And I really like what you said too about actors. Really, they have to do a lot of that work on their own. I mean, of course, they could train uh, with a variety of great teachers, but making sure that they're prepared in the casting room because like you said, it, the, the, those casting directors aren't necessarily going to meet them halfway. I, th- I think that's very, it's very enlightening for sure. And I, th- I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I, I hope it makes sense. It makes so much sense to me because in my mind, I can see clearly what I'm talking about. But, you know, I always tell actors also be curious and figure out what actors you like and watch them act. You know, just keep watching actors, really great actors, watch how they do what they're doing and have questions about it. And then you'll start to sort of understand inside yourself, oh, I don't, I'm not that flexible with text or, oh, look at the way he's using his body. I don't move that much. Or, oh, listen to the range in his voice. I don't have that kind of range. And it's not a bad thing. You know, I think we're we're taught in this society or whatever, I'm not gonna get esoteric about it, but we're kind of taught that you have to be great and that you're not allowed to say, oh, I can't do that. And that that be a positive thing. You know, you can say, oh, that's interesting. I like what they're doing and I can't do that. Well, why not? Yeah, I, actually you make a really good point of like, see it watching certain actors or even that this could go for, not the entertainment industry as well. When you're watching someone do something, I think a lot of us have the tendency to be like, oh, they're so great. Like I could never do anything like that. Like I I would never be like that. But you're absolutely right. Is like asking yourself the question, oh, well, 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 why not? You know, asking yourself why, like you were talking about earlier. You know, and then I think also specifically for actors, it's important to know how how much is out there in the way of training. Because I think a lot of people write me and ask me if I know of any good scene study teachers. And I'll actually say, I don't think you need more scene study. I think you need, you know, to take a dance class or go get some good body work, you know, go get some rolfing done or, you know, go sing or, it's go study Shakespeare and you'll be better at, you'll be better with text. So it's, it's interesting. It's, it's not always linear. Yeah. And, and so much of what acting is, is about, it really is about learning how to be human. At least this is my opinion, you're learning about how to be human and then projecting that or presenting that for your fellow humans. Yeah. It's, I know you had Olympia on the show, but she says one of my favorite things ever, which she's like, one day we were talking and she goes, acting, acting's not that hard. I could teach you how to act. I could write it down on an index card. You know, there's a few things you have to deal with. You know, who are you talking to? Why are you there? Are there any circumstances you need to take into account? You know, she like wrote down five or six things. And she said, the real work, the hard thing is facing yourself is continuing to learn about yourself and go, oh, I don't like feeling that emotion or, oh, I react this way or, oh, I can't move my, you know, little toe in this direction. Why not? Is that stopping my voice in some way? I mean, you have to be for your whole artistic life, I think, 
um, or just your whole life. Even if you stop pursuing acting, you can still be an artist or be curious about yourself and kind of untangling things or unraveling things. That's what makes an interesting actor. Because like you said, you're, if you're going to portray the human experience, the only human experience you have to portray is yours. And I think that's sort of a mistake or misstep that a lot of actors make. They think they're going to step into some character that they create. Well, how are you going to step into another character? You're inside of that always. That's absolutely true. And it's like, for some reason, there's sometimes this tendency to almost like shed yourself and your experience, as you said, to like step into this other character but you're absolutely right no matter what character you're portraying you're always going to you're always going to have yourself in that character regardless you can't not it would be impossible <laughs> so yeah you're you're always in there so you've shared a lot about your all of your amazing experience whether it be through casting through acting through coaching and i'm wondering if you could share with us your with regards to your personal experience, how this professional experience has helped you to better relate and communicate with people? Oh, you know, I think I learned how to listen better. And that's something that I have to work on all the time because as a teacher and as an actor, you have to actually deal with what's in front of you, not what you want to be in front of you. Um, and if you premeditate your response to something before you've heard the whole thing or seen the whole thing, that response is not relevant. So I think, and you know, that's a big thing that I learned from the Meisner training that I did and also the clown training that I've done of what's actually there in the moment. And as a teacher, I'm I just, I keep learning that as a teacher. I, I'll like start to form a thought and then somebody will do something or say something in front of me. And that thought that I was having, even if it was completely brilliant, it's not relevant anymore. And if I hang on to it because I think it's brilliant, even though it's irrelevant, I'm doing a disservice to the person in front of me and to my whole class. So, you know, you got to check your ego sometimes and go, okay, I'll write that brilliant thought down later, <laughs> but it's not relevant in this moment. Um, and it's also sort of freeing, I think, um, to, to be that way. And I'm not always that way. It's something that I, that I'm constantly working on. Cause you go, Oh, if, if, if I kind of trust that, if I trust the moment, then I know something is going to show up. And even if I don't know how to deal with it, then I'll just say, I don't know. And we'll talk about it as a class. Or you can say that to somebody, I, you know, I, I don't know. I also have a, one of my best friends is really um, interested in nonviolent communication. And I haven't read the book yet, but I'm really interested in how we talk to people um, without kind of engaging their defenses. Because actually, Everybody wants to be heard. And I also understand this as a teacher because I, I felt it as a student. Nobody likes to be told that they're wrong or bad or kind of diagnosed. So 
I feel sometimes as a teacher, there's an impulse to want to diagnose a student and I'll check myself and go, no, that's not for them. That's for me so that I can feel good about having given them a, you know, a kind of answer to their problem. But there's something much deeper than that um, and more interesting if I if I don't diagnose them, but if I ask some questions and really listen and um yeah, I mean, I learned a lot about listening from Olympia, and she's a great actress and a great teacher. So I think you can only ask good questions if you really listen well. Yeah, I really like what you said about there. Like sometimes there's this tendency to diagnose actors and figuring out okay, what it is, what is it that they need. But you're absolutely right. Is like really truly listening and then asking questions and just continuing to ask questions will probably give you a much deeper perspective in what it is that they need or what it is that they're looking for. And I think that's really the case all around too, no matter whether, you know, it's working with actors or really working with anyone is this opportunity to truly listen to what their needs are and to be able to ask them very in-depth and meaningful questions to be able to develop a deeper understanding of what it is they need. Yeah, I think it's sometimes you can just ask why. And also just the kind of sharing of like one of the most freeing things as a teacher is just to watch somebody do something and then say to the class, you know, what did you think? I'm not sure if I understood that moment. Did that come across? And sometimes the whole class will be like, yeah, we got it. And I'm like, great, then let's keep that moment. I don't know. I guess it's just kind of letting go of the reins a little bit and knowing that you're, you have support. I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> no, yeah, it absolutely does. Absolutely. And so much of our work within this industry, I feel like is, is centered on listening what you like, what you said and really building meaningful relationships with people that you enjoy working with. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, given your experience, how crucial is this with regards to building meaningful relationships? And what would you say is your definition of a deep, meaningful relationship, both in this industry, but then also in the world in general? <laughs> That's such a big question. <laughs> it um, is. It is. So in terms of the entertainment industry, I always tell people this. It's a business of a lot of people. And, you know, in this technological age that we're all in, um, I think we're all completely oversaturated. I feel completely oversaturated with my Instagram and my Facebook and my emails and my text messages, like to the point where sometimes I just look at it and I, it's like a foreign language. So if you're working in casting, you're getting three, four, 500 emails a day. If you're an agent, same thing, you know. Um, so this idea of, you know, when you're an actor and you have to kind of sell yourself, you're the product that you want to be bought. Um, this idea of like, send out mass mailings, hit the ground running, email casting once a week to remind them of what you're doing and tell them that you're available. Those emails I've found in the offices that I've worked in tend to go in the trash because you're over, 
it, you're oversaturating an oversaturated person. But if I get an email from somebody that I know, somebody who's taken a class from me, somebody who I've cast before, and they say, hey, I hope you're well. Um, just want to let you know, like, here's a clip of my new web series and I'm around New York. If you have anything for me, that's a different story. I also used to love handwritten notes. I know that not not all casting people love handwritten notes, um, but it's a business of people. So you kind of have to remember that. And you have to remember, I talked to a casting, one of my friends who works in casting, and she was like, yeah, this guy used to come to our office and he was really, really a nice guy, but he used to, we, we would ask actors not to come into the back room because we could be on a phone call with a producer and he always used to come into the back room. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> because he was trying to make a connection that way, I suppose, and was kind of unaware of like, they had asked him not to do that. So it's like, okay, if someone asks you not to do something, if you do it anyways, uh, it's probably not going to turn out great for you. Right. Yeah. So I feel like I'm meandering a little bit. I'm not quite answering your question, but it's just important to act authentically in a world of people. Like act how, how you would want to be treated. Do you like handwritten notes? Do you like emails? Do you want to, you know, stop by and leave a headshot? Um, and I, I also think target casting that you want to work with. That's the other thing is like being general rarely works. It rarely works if you're an actor working on a script. You can't make general choices. And it rarely works if you're an actor trying to get a job. You can't be general about I'll take anything. I'll do anything. Be specific about I like this person's work. And then you can write to them and say, you know, I love your show. I love your work. I think I fit into the world. Um, here's my information. Let me know if you have anything for me. Um, I think that's, you're going to get a, a way better response to that. You're going to get maybe a response to that rather than just, I'm so-and-so, please hire me. And I kind of have found that, you know, to circle back to your question, in the world when I'm, when I'm not acting or I'm not casting, that's how I met Jim Calder. And he's a dear friend now and a mentor and a colleague. I just wrote to him and said, you know, I, I really feel like I need to work with you. I know these people and there's something about what you're doing that I really want to learn. I think that's in any field when you reach out and say, I really genuinely like your work and would like to learn from you or would like to meet with you. And you may get a response that says, I don't have time, or you may get a response six months later. So, you know, in... Like you were saying much earlier, Pat, I think when we were just chatting about your about your podcast, you know, how do you use technology to your advantage? How do you use it as a means of communication rather than just, I have this thing, so I'm going to use it? Like, use it with intention. Yeah, it's so important. And I love what you said earlier, too, that specifically in the entertainment industry where we're dealing with the business of people and connecting with one another, relating with one another, communicating with one another. And so to have those human touches when you're talking with people, meeting new people, I think go a long way. 
And I think, in my opinion, just as, you know, bringing the conversation wider to the greater world, uh, as technology is continuing to advance, I think that those human touches, that those critical skills that are needed to communicate with people are only going to become more and more important. Yeah, I think we forget about them. Yeah. And forget that they actually hold a lot of meaning. So... That's a good question. I mean, you also asked me, what do I, what do I find to be a meaningful relationship? And there's something that I kind of, is my own, you know, loose rule that I follow, which is I don't keep connections or pursue connections that I don't actually want in my life. Like I, I don't pursue I never, for the New York Drama Center, I never pursued a teacher because I heard they were great. I pursue the teachers who I really want to work with or who I know have something to offer in a really specific way. You know, I, I've turned down casting jobs. I, I work on casting projects and I don't work very much in casting now, but occasionally like I, I did a web series in last fall that I'm really proud of. I take on jobs where I really like the people and I really find the project interesting. And I heard a great, great, um, I heard something, I don't know who to credit this to, but I, I think about this sometimes where somebody once told me, if you can check two out of these three boxes, then it's worth doing. And that's, are you going to make a lot of money? Do you really believe in the project? And are you going to work with great people? Yes, yes. Like, think about those three categories. And I always do. So I usually, if it's two out of three, I'll say yes. And that's for anything. That's for a teaching gig. That's for a casting job. That's for my own acting. Um, you know, if, if I'm going to work with great people and I believe in the final product, then I'll do it. Or sometimes even if it's just one thing, if I go, you know what, I'm not sure how the final product's going to turn out and I'm not making any money, but I love these people, then I'll do it. Yeah, it's it's so crucial to just be be surrounded by people that you enjoy being around or and that also that you could support, but then also that could support you and lift you up as well. That's so beautifully succinct. <laughs> yes. Yeah people you you genuinely like i think we've gotten to a point in society where there's so many how to's and you know people saying do this and then do it this way and then do it that way and then i feel like do it your way yes you know find the people you actually connect with and then see what happens right absolutely well, Devin, thank you so much for being on the Ships Podcast. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy life and sharing your insight with our audience. And before we head on out, I'm wondering if you could just share a platform or website that maybe our audience could go check out to learn more information about you. Oh, great. Yes. And thank you so much. This is so great. Yeah. Um, my teaching website is devonshacketoncamera.com that's devon with an i and shacket is s-h-a-c-k-e-t so it's devonshacketoncamera.com 
And I also run the New York Drama Center, which you can look up. Uh, the New York Drama Center.com is a super simple one page website that I'm actually working on a whole bunch of stuff, a much bigger website for the school. Um, so that's where you can find me. I'm not so much on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, working on working on using those platforms in a meaningful way. So I'm, I'm at that point. <laughs> I I hear you Um, on that. I hear you on that. (laughs) And everybody's like, you have to get on these platforms if you want to grow your business. And it's taken me a while because I keep saying why I want to figure out how to do it my way so that it feels authentic to me because I don't believe in just doing something because I'm supposed to. which is maybe my stubborn streak. But anyways, that's where to find me. And I'm always accessible via email. Um, Yeah. Great. Well, Devin, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate you and all the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. There you have it, everyone. Devin Shackett. She was giving us some incredibly valuable information, not only for you actors out there, you who are working in the entertainment industry, but also those who just want to learn more about connecting and relating with human beings and also the importance of asking why throughout your daily life. So thank you so much, Devin, for being on the show. If you liked this podcast, please feel free to leave me a review. I would really appreciate it. You could also call in and leave a voicemail if you have the Anchor app, and said voicemail might be published in a future episode. So feel free to call in and let me know your thoughts. You can also share this podcast with a friend who you think it will really resonate with. You also have the opportunity to support this podcast. Supporting this podcast will allow me to continue producing amazing episodes with inspiring guests. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode with Devin Shackett, and I'll catch you all in the next one.